So this Sunday is our very first family worship Sunday, which means that we are beginning to have our, our children and our youth ages second grade and up staying with us during the service. So welcome to our children who are with us. And we're going to look today at the Old Testament reading from Jeremiah, which may seem a little odd because I'm guessing it's not a very familiar passage. But the reason that I wanted to speak from Jeremiah is because he was called when he was very young. In the very first chapter, the Lord says, I called you while you were still inside your mother's womb. And then he says to Jeremiah, I have things I want you to do. To which Jeremiah says, well, I can't do them. I'm just a youth. And the Lord says, don't say I'm only a youth because I'm going to teach you what I want you to do. So for that reason, it seemed, it seemed a, a good fit on the Sunday when we are helping our children understand their place as part of the people of God to look at a passage that was written by someone who was still really a teenager at the time that this uh, particular section we're looking at was still written. Now, Jeremiah, very early on, he is feeling a little bit overwhelmed by his call because the Lord says to him, I'm going to make you a prophet. I'm going to send you to your entire nation. There's things that I'm going to tell you to say to them, and those aren't going to be very popular. And Jeremiah says, well, I, I don't quite know what to do with that. But the Lord says, I'm going to give you some object lessons to see how you hear. And so he gives him the picture of an almond tree. And he says, what do you see, Jeremiah? And Jeremiah says, I see an almond tree. And the Lord goes, great job. Because in Hebrew, the word for almond and the word for sea are very close together. So it's kind of a pun, a play on words. But it also got the point across that when the Lord asks us to do something, he never just sends us out to do it. He prepares us for it. So today, I primarily want to speak, or at least I first want to speak, to those in our congregation who are teenagers, to our teens. And also, because we have a lot of 10, 11, and 12-year-olds, to those who are about to be teens. But because the Bible can speak to many people at the same time, this is also a message for anyone who's ever been a teenager. So don't, don't worry about it. Um, I want to begin with some context, because now that we have that background in our mind, if you were listening to the passage, which I'm sure all of you were, you might have been going, what on earth was going on there? That was a really strange passage. And Jeremiah is a, a, a chapter that I don't think anyone has ever claimed as their life verse. Um, if you see, if you listen to Caleb, they always have a verse of the day. And I, I do not think, why is my pain uncurable and my wound unceasing? I don't think that's ever been a verse of the day on positive, encouraging Caleb. <laughs> But I hope by the end of the day, you know why it should be or why this passage um, has something to say to us. Because just last week, Father Daniel reminded us that all scripture is profitable and approved. It has something to give to us. So that's true even for Jeremiah. Now, because we don't read the Old Testament prophets very much on Sunday other than during Advent, we're going to need to do a little background work just to get us up to speed of what's going on in chapter 15. Jeremiah was born in a very specific moment inside of salvation history. Um, the people had been in the land for many years, and they had already been saved out of Egypt. They'd been settled in what God called the promised land. They had been there many years. They got a king. And through that whole story, there is repeated unfaithfulness on the part of the kings of Israel and the people. 
And so after a long time, after about 400 years, the Lord says to them, enough, we're not, we're not going to do this anymore. I'm going to send you into exile as punishment for, uh, for your sins and for your lack of faithfulness. And Jeremiah is prophesying in the years as the people are going into exile and um, ultimately right before the temple is destroyed. So it's a very difficult and sad time in the history of the Israelites. And in fact, later in his life, he actually has to leave Israel and go to Egypt as a refugee because the war and the turmoil in his home country was so bad. So Jeremiah knew when he was called that it was going to be a time of difficulty and a period when his country was, was not in the best of shape. And his job, as given to him by the Lord, was to tell his people that these things were going to happen because they had been unfaithful and that they, they were not willing to change their patterns. In the first 14 chapters of Jeremiah, we, we have God reviewing the history up to this point. And he uses the language of a breakup of a romantic relationship. He talks about how he loved Israel when she was in Egypt and how he wooed her and how she became his people. And in our Bibles, we read the story in Exodus of how he took them out into the desert and made a covenant with them. And initially, the people agreed to this covenant. They agreed to be in relationship with God. So a covenant is just a commitment where two parties say, yes, we are together and we are going to live together as one. Our most modern example is a marriage. Uh, there's different kinds of covenants, but marriage language is appropriate here. And that's the language that God uses between where we start in Genesis and Exodus and where we are in Jeremiah. So in the 400 years between Sinai and now in our text, that's a long marriage. <laughs> and what we learn from God about that time is that the people of Israel have been cheating. And not just once, they cheat again and again. He takes them back when they apologize, and then they run off with someone else. And specifically, they run off with the Baals and with the Ashtoreths, who were the gods of the local land where they moved into. And let's just say those are not nice gods. If you read the Old Testament, there's some, some pretty grim things. Now, it's worth saying that the cheating is one-sided. God is faithful to his covenant. He's kind, he does what he says he's going to do, and he's constantly longing for his people to come back to him. But they, every time there's a new fad or a new trend, they, they go again. And God is saying by chapter 15 that he is deeply hurt. And I want to just pause there and say, if you don't know that God has feelings, for that reason alone, it's worth reading the prophets. Because God has a lot of feelings. And often the ones we hear in the prophets is that he's hurt by the rejection of his people, that all he wants to do is pour himself out in relationship. And they keep saying, essentially, talk to the hand. So by the start of this chapter, God is saying, enough. And I'm going to just read you specifically the verses because they weren't part of our, our public reading. Isaiah, uh, Jeremiah 15, verse 1 says, Then the Lord said to me, the Lord's talking to Jeremiah, Though Moses and Samuel stood before me, yet my heart would not turn towards this people. Send them out of my sight and let them go. And when they ask, where shall we go? You say to them, thus says the Lord, those who are for pestilence to pestilence, those who are for the sword to the sword, 
those are, who are for famine to famine and those who are for captivity to captivity. That's really a very heavy phrase. And if you don't know the history, you're like, well, why is God so mad? <laughs> and it's because for 400 years, every time he um, puts his hand out, his people, they come back for a week or so, and then they go again. And this is a little bit like one of Taylor Swift's early songs. We have a member of our uh, congregation who is a, an avid Taylor Swift fan. So I, this is for you, you know who you are. But Taylor Swift's song describes the exhausting, painful, on and off again relationship. She says, I remember when we broke up the first time and then you came around and said, baby, I miss you and I'm gonna change, trust me. That's a good and concise summary of the Old Testament. And then Taylor Swift memorably concludes, as God does in this chapter, we are never, ever, ever getting back together. <laughs> well, as you can imagine, if you're Jeremiah, that's a heavy thing to hear about your own people. And one of the things that I love about Jeremiah is that he tells God exactly what he thinks of what God is telling him. There are actually several passages in this book that are labeled Jeremiah's complaint. And that's really what they are. God says, tell the people that I'm gonna do X, Y, and Z. And Jeremiah says, what? You're gonna do that? That does not sound like a good idea. And the beauty of this book is that the Lord is patient with that and open to that and interacts with Jeremiah about this. Now the reason Jeremiah has to question if what the Lord is saying is good is because first of all, it sounds very hard, right? Like if you don't know the history, you're like, why would the Lord send people he, love into, he loves into captivity? But also we know from the previous chapter, from chapter 14, that when Jeremiah says what God tells him to say, the people try and kill him. They are not at all receptive to this message. So we begin to understand why Jeremiah would, be, would begin to ask, are you sure that's really what you want me to say? And the other thing Jeremiah is asking is, Lord, these people don't like me because of what you're having me do. Are you sure you like me making me say these things? And if you've ever experienced rejection, which I think all of us somewhere in our life, lives had, sometimes when something hard is happening in our life, we do look around and go, wait a minute, does, does the Lord actually like me? So what I appreciate about Jeremiah is he asks that question because he trusts the Lord. He takes that to the Lord. And then we have the answer recorded so that all of us can benefit from it as well. So in other words, Jeremiah has a very honest relationship with God. And the amazing thing is that God not only doesn't mind that, but receives that as an expression of trust. So the passage we heard read out loud verses 15 through 21, is actually one of Jeremiah's complaints. And it's coming on the heels of listening to God say, it's over about the people who are about to go into exile. And this complaint started in verse 10, which is a few, we picked up in 15, but the complaint started in verse 10, where Jeremiah begins with, woe is me, mother, that you bore me, a man of strife and contention to the whole land. And then he describes how he's had integrity. I've not lent, nor have I borrowed, yet all the people curse me. And the Lord responds to that. The Lord responds to that by saying, have I not set you free for good? Have I not pleaded for you before the enemy in the time of trouble and in the time of distress? 
So when Jeremiah is feeling the weight of his call and the weight of the people rejecting him because, because he's being faithful to the Lord, the Lord reassures him that it's for good and that even in the difficulty and the distress, he will take care of them. So that helps Jeremiah a little bit and he calms down. And by verse 15, he's a little bit more reflective. And that's really what we're going to spend most of our time on. I'm going to reread verses 15 to 18 where you hear Jeremiah's complaint. Lord, you know, remember me and visit me and take vengeance for me on my persecutors. In your forbearance, take me not away. Know that for your sake, I bear reproach. Your words were found and I ate them and, by, and your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord of hosts. I did not sit in the company of revelers, nor did I rejoice. I sat alone because your hand was upon me, for you had filled me with indignation. Why is my pain unceasing, my wound incurable? Will you be to me like a deceitful brook, like waters that fail? Now, the first thing I want to say about this is that this is a form of prayer. Prayer isn't just about practical things like money or getting help with good grades. That form of prayer is right and appropriate, and it's a good one. It's just not the only one. Sometimes prayer is like this, where something hurts, and we go to God with our hurt, and we say, this is hard, and this hurts, and I'm overwhelmed, and I'm confused because the experiencing I'm having doesn't feel like what I know of your goodness. And so Jeremiah is just saying, where you have me, Lord, right now, it's hard. And I need reassurance that you like me and this is, this is part of the plan and this is where I'm supposed to be. And I just want to reiterate that the most important part of this is that Jeremiah is saying this to God. And that's what makes it prayer. Jeremiah is not running to all the people around him <laughs> and complaining without purpose or without giving the opportunity for the Lord to speak in it. He's bringing it to the relationship that can do something about it. And we know how God responded because Jeremiah wrote this book and he recorded it. And so you have this extraordinary pattern throughout this whole book. The Lord says, here's what I want you to tell the people. So we hear how upset God is with the people. But in the middle of it, we learn a lot about one relationship with one person trying to live faithfully in a really hard time, a time when there's not a lot of other people trying to do that. So what is God's reaction to this? I'm going to read it in a minute, but most of God's reaction is very comforting. He is not impatient. He's not angry. He doesn't say, well, how could you say that about me? <laughs> he, he expresses... Um, a receiving of Jeremiah's hurt. And he reassures him that he will save him and take care of him. There is one point on which God is displeased, and he tells Jeremiah that, but he does it in a remarkably gentle way. So let me, uh, let me read, well, actually, let me say a little bit more, and then I'll read the response. Jeremiah, in his bitterness, had asked a question. He had asked to God, Will you be like a deceitful brook, like waters that fail? And part of why he had asked that, of course, was because all the people around him were in that place. And what he's really saying is, are you going to disappear? 
are, are you going to lie to me? Are you going to leave me? And that's the point at which God responds in a gentle way, but to say, you know who I am. You know that's not me. Like when you're thinking more clearly, you know that there's the people who've hurt you and then there's me. And so this, this is the Lord's response. If you return, I will restore you and you shall stand before me. If you utter what is precious and not what is worthless, you shall be as my mouth. They shall turn to you, but you shall not turn to them. I will make you to this people a fortified wall of bronze and they will fight against you, but they shall not prevail over you. I am with you to save you and deliver you, declares the Lord. I will deliver you out of the hand of the wicked and redeem you from the grasp of the ruthless. And again, that wasn't just a nice phrase for Jeremiah. He had threats on his life. That was very literal and very, very specific. So to his, his fear that God might deceive him or fail, the Lord said, that's not who I am. And you can trust who I am because I have 400 years of faithfulness to who I am. So what does this passage have to do with us? Well, really four, about four things. First of all, what I want to say, particularly to our younger crowd, is that God has something for you to do. Something that he has put in your life now. You do not have to wait till you are an adult to serve God. He made each of us with a purpose. And we have, we have a lot of people in our congregation right now who are growing children. We have a lot of pregnant women. And if you think about the amazing thing in chapter one that Jeremiah's call came when he was in utero, I just think, who is God calling now? And what is he calling to them to right now? But even if you're three, five, seven, nine, the Lord has something for you. There's a purpose for your life. And you don't have to figure it out. What the Lord asks us to do is to listen and to stay connected, to stay faithful, and he will show us the things that he has for us. Rarely do people get calls as clear and in a moment the way Jeremiah did. Mostly it's a process, a process of learning what you're good at, learning um, the things that you know how to do. And there's a community to help you figure that out. That's part of what we do here together at St. Thomas. But the most important thing is to know that you were made for something and that God has a purpose for you. A second thing to know is that sometimes what God asks us to do is hard. And it may even be unpopular, not just to others, but to us. <laughs> Jeremiah didn't love everything the Lord asked him to do in this book. And you can talk honestly to God about that because God is not afraid of our feelings and he wants us to trust him. And he wants us to bring all that messiness to him. It is a sign of trust to bring our fear, our despair, our worry to God rather than trying to do it in a, a number of ways that can take us places that are very dangerous. Other relationships, bad habits. I mean, there's a many, many ways you can take your pain that don't actually help you with your pain. The third thing I want to tell you is that you do have a choice. You do, each of us, we each of us get to choose whether we stay in relationship with God or not. And that choice is the most important choice we will make in our lives, that when we choose not to walk in that, the Lord will let us go. But it has consequences and it hurts us. But God wants us to come to him, you know, 
I don't like the phrase of our own free will because I feel like that's a catchphrase, but God wants us to come to him voluntarily. We're not minions who the popular in our culture have to do what their, you know, what their big guy tells them to do. The Lord wants us to respond to his love out of joyfulness. And you even see that in Jeremiah's complaint. He's like, even though it's hard, your words were a delight to me and they were a joy. So he's not saying, I don't want to be connected. He's just saying this connection is in a place that hurts right now. He wants us to know the joy of serving and participating in the large story and moving in the world. And so the fourth point is, even in dark times, even if what the Lord asks you to do is hard, your life will go better if you do it. We don't want to be afraid of our life purposes. And for anybody who's been in a hard patch, sometimes when you're coming out of that, there's a little bit of anxiety around, like, I just went through that. <laughs> is it going to get better? And, and the reality is the Lord is with us in good times and bad times. And we can trust in the times when we don't understand that when it smooths out, we will be glad that we were faithful through those times. So what I want to do in close is I want to pray for all of us, but I especially want to pray for our under 20 crowd, crowd that they would even now begin to know the purposes that the Lord has for them and come to know him early and be connected early and that all of us will be, be faithful to what the Lord has for us. Lord, we thank you for our community. We thank you for how many um, children and youth you have given this community. And we thank you that we don't have to wait to any point in our lives to serve you. That at every moment you have things for us to do because you love us and you want us to know that we are valuable to you. So I pray that you would help our teens and our children find their vocations, find their gifts, find the places where they can really give who they are to the world and be received. And I pray for those of us around them that we would know how to help them do that and that together we could rejoice in your purposes for us. And we also pray for the times that are hard and difficult, Lord, that you would just show us how you are kind and faithful to us through those, that it would all be for your praise and for your glory. It's in your name we pray. Amen.